Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shameless Fitness Podcast. So today is episode 61, which is mental. Um, so this week's guest is someone I have become quite friendly with over social media. Uh, so not all social media is, is bad. Uh, this week's guest is Stephen Griffin, aka Steve's Weight Loss on Instagram. Uh, Steve has had his own weight loss journey. He has had an incredible coach with Paul Germany. He's also had been on a few podcasts before with, with Paul and he's been on with Brian as well. So I thought better, no better man to get on to talk about his own weight loss journey. So you guys who are starting your own or are in the process of your own can kind of see what it's like to kind of go through the highs, the lows, the positives um, and stuff like that. So Steve, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. That was a hell of an intro. Internet friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, friends. Uh, so, Steve, for anyone that doesn't know your story, uh, please do kind of tell us how you, what was your epiphany moment where you kind of needed to lose weight or you thought you needed to lose weight? Yeah, I guess in a nutshell, um, August 2018, um, I had gone on holidays to Lanzarote with my girlfriend and my family and took a poolside picture um it was one of those with the like a shutter burst and took 10 or 15 pictures all at once so i had started moving it was like you know you could see the gradual movement of the arms moving forward but you could also see the gut kind of coming forward at the same time too from being held in and that was the first time i really saw it um you know up to that i'd kind of lied to myself and like biceps are important but you know your mind muscle is way more important and i had totally my mind had completely fooled me to thinking that ash this is okay you're big and strong and oh that t-shirt's tight because you know your biceps have got bigger like it was ridiculous stuff when i think about it but it was it was at that pool in lanzarote that i went this has to change it either changes now or i'd be kind of worried about it not ever changing and just spiraling out of out of hand and a week later i had gone back to work and i don't know was it cause of that or was it because of the consciousness of it um i was kind of the butt of a joke and between the two of them, it, it just kind of sparked this big fire. And I'd been talking to Paul already, and we'd agreed that I'd start the next week with them. And uh, yeah, from then, I just, just kind of plowed on, really. It's mad when you mention something about making sure your mind muscle is a big thing. I think a lot of us, I've definitely been guilty of this, that we don't actually look after what's up top. We think that aesthetics, think that having arms, having a chest, or girls are want quads and bums and stuff like that but looking after the the mind muscle um which is really important do you have a kind of a go-to for people or do you have people that you go to for that stuff or is it something you've had to work on on your own um yeah it's kind of a, a bit of both really um i suppose I'm probably at my happiest around loved ones, around family and around my girlfriend and stuff. And, you know, there's certain experiences in life that make me happy. Watching sports, I absolutely adore sports. I mean, that kind of thing makes me happy. Recently, I've tried as much as I can to kill dead time because I kind of saw that I had a lot of it, even if it was just my 20-minute drive in the morning, if I can get like a 20-minute a YouTube clip audio in or like a bit of a lecture or a bit of a podcast, something like that, just to keep my head ticking over because... I think for a long time I had just kind of gone stagnant. My, my mind wasn't really working at, at, not at any great level ever, but in that period of time I wasn't doing a whole lot of work and I think that didn't help. My mind got lazy and then that kind of helped my body get very lazy. Um, but yeah, like 
I suppose the importance of, of the closer circle you have, I mean, I, I'd very much put you in that circle now, and like I said, Brian Keane, Paul, and then people I've never met, like David Goggins, uh, even Jordan Peterson, like people like that that I listen to that have a positive effect on my mindset and my outlook. I mean, I was only saying the other day on Instagram that on Sunday, I didn't want to go to the gym. I, well, I had I had planned to, but I didn't want to because it was pissing rain. I went and I actually watched a Peterson lecture on the treadmill. And it was the most motivating thing. And it just made my head... I felt light leaving it. And not because I was doing too much cardio. Um, but, you know, it just kind of stoked me right for the week. And kind of, he was talking about motivation, self-discipline and planning and preparation. I was kind of going, this is exactly what I needed for so long. I just didn't have that kind of voice. So, yeah, they'd be my happy places and my happy people's. You mentioned motivation there as well. And I've spoken about this a good bit on the podcast with the likes of Ben Mudge. Um, I recommend definitely listen to that episode after listening to the episode now about motivation. And a lot of us feel that our motivation fluctuates and all that kind of stuff where would you kind of would you do you think motivation exists or how do you deal with the kind of so-called motivation fluctuating it definitely exists existence definitely but it's kind of like a phone battery you know it's start of the day you have the best intentions you get up and you have porridge and you have black coffee and then the day goes on and you hit that 3 p.m slump and you're getting tired and you're like oh i just want a mcdonald's do you know, and all of a sudden your phone battery is at 30%, you're at 30%, you're knackered and you just want the, the handiest thing. Um, I think motivation got me started. Um, discipline, persistence, consistency kept me going. Obviously, consistency kept me going. But, like, motivation comes and goes, but you have to be able to keep rolling without it. Um, there be days there where like I said I didn't want to get out of bed on Sunday it was pissing rain I, I just did not want to get up but I still went to the gym and I was so happy that I did after and then that motivated me for the week ahead so you, like, you never know where it's coming from if I could bottle it up and just store it in the press for when I need it that'd be great um, but like motivation can come from the people around you from something you see on Instagram it can come from a quote I had like I had two weeks there where I wasn't really in the mood and I shared like four or five quotes on Instagram like on my wall, which I don't usually do, but I needed them as much as I thought maybe anybody else could. And like they helped music. You know, you just, everybody's motivation come from anywhere. Mine came from the picture. That picture haunts me still. I hate it. But like a good kind of hate keeps me going kind of hate. Yeah, like I think, I think that's why I resonate with Steve so much is because his is a picture and mine is a picture as well. Mine was when I was ill. Uh for Jesus, three years ago now. Um, but I was at the other extreme. I was severely underweight. Um, I think I was down to sixty three kilos, and I'm five foot ten. So and now I'm sitting at like seventy eight kilos. But I'd gone from like eighty something to sixty three in the space of about a month. That's pretty drastic. Yeah. So that was that. That that picture still haunts me, and I'll be putting it up in the next couple couple of weeks because it's marking three years. Um. You mentioned about kind of consistency. Consistency is a term that can be thrown around a lot by the likes of myself because of, oh, he's a PT, it has to be a consistency, all this kind of stuff. But to hear from someone that's actually gone through their own kind of journey rather than from me just kind of putting up this thing to get it like put up on social media. Like, 
is there one thing that you would say to someone about consistency that they could kind of implement in their own routine or um yeah i suppose in terms of maybe a training consistency um finding a type of activity that you actually enjoy for a long time i believed that the hype in bodybuilding magazines or in, in you know workout pages that you had to do hit you had to do this you had to do german volume training i didn't know what these things were from a crow but i read it and arnold did it 40 years ago so hey he looked good well, you know I, I weighed 155 kilos and that was a lot of weight bouncing down when i did burpees you know that was a lot of me hitting the ground and it was fucking hard to get up and i didn't get up most of the time i just got up and fucked off you know so you know finding a training that you actually enjoy because i would have done that i would have been sore i didn't enjoy it and then i said fuck this not doing it again and that was the end of it whereas this time i've found different things you know different activities even at first it was just walking i found training that i enjoyed and i've been able to keep doing it i mean walking has i used to think walking was stupid i used to think that it was no point unless i had somewhere to go why would i do it and i have a car why would i walk that is stupid whereas now my day-to-day life is weird if i don't go for a walk i actually feel like fidgety if i don't get my steps and stuff and i'm just like i feel like i should be doing something um i get all weird and angsty at like seven or eight at night if i've got all that energy pent up yeah it's it's mad like i've the walking has become kind of a part, part of a routine like obviously the weather isn't great in ireland at the minute but it is one of those things that if you don't get it in you're almost a little bit annoyed even if it's like say if you're training three four times a week whatever it may be or whatever you can fit into your routine but i almost say 99 percent of the time is try to get that walk in and sometimes what i've tried to do recently is trying to leave the headphones at home um and the reason for that is sometimes the headphones can be like you're trying to listen to a podcast you're trying to listen to music but sometimes it's better to almost be there like this is going to sound deep and this is i didn't mean for this podcast episode to go so deep uh but it's better to be there with your thoughts and let the mind wander and then kind of bring it back in you've kind of gone into pushing your mind a little bit further with kind of the running and the running thing is i despise running uh i used to do cross country in school and i think that's where the torment comes from um because i was so small and i wasn't very good at rugby so the cross country was all right you're skinny you'll go do it so when you're kind of doing the running and stuff we were talking <clears throat> a little bit earlier about the kind of the running um like what's what's coming up next for you regarding the running and how do you push yourself through those sessions that you're kind of saying right these aren't great or you're kind of like you're feeling a little bit crap after maybe five ten minutes yeah um just for context what's 155 kilos 24 25 stone yeah i didn't run a lot i didn't run actually and there's that joke it's like you know obesity runs in my family and that's about it i didn't run i didn't do it um and but i always told myself i couldn't run that i wasn't a runner you know i'd look in the mirror and i go look at you do you look like more far do you look like you saying bolt like this isn't your thing and then really really early in this journey i listened to dave goggins book and he went from massively overweight became an ultra runner i mean 240 miners like crazy stuff and I adopted a little bit of his mindset in terms of running that, you know, there's days there you won't want to, that you don't want to do 10K or 15K. Um, but, and it's it's like the getting out of bed thing, the countdown, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. If you start doing it, it is effective. I've started telling myself, okay, just hit 2, just hit 2K. And then next thing at 2K, I'm like, I'm in this now. I'm in this flow. And 
it does eventually come as your for me as I'm running that maybe at first I'm like oh this is horrible it's cold it's raining I'm not in the mood but eventually your stride gets going you start to like you were saying there you appreciate your thoughts like a, I, I get like you said quite deep when I'm running it just stuff happens in my head it's the happy hormones I don't know what it is but I enjoy the running for that you know and I enjoy the self battle of me having told myself for a long time that this isn't something that I could ever do um, like I've done a couple of halves I have every intention of running a full distance by the end of next month and then in a couple of months I'm taking on something that's creeping up much faster than I'd like it to uh, in an 80k race run I ain't gonna race I ain't gonna win it but it's a run um, but like at the end of the day that's going to be a big learning curve for me just in terms of personal development so I'm looking forward to it that, that's incredible and you're kind of you're kind of doing it with someone as well which really helps and that kind of leads into a lot of people are afraid of of reaching out and looking for help um, I know social media is awesome that it kind of gets gives people a voice but also a lot of people are they will go for the advice on social media they will go for the quick answer but they may not implement it themselves from working with coaches and from, from having kind of training buddies like you were talking about you were training with one of the girls doing Breck and Traris's stuff the other day how have you felt working with a coach or having someone to keep you accountable has pushed you on to that extra little bit that was the main reason I signed up for Paul I needed accountability um, like I think everybody has a relative grasp of the foods that generally are higher calorie they mightn't call it high calorie foods they might call it junk food but they have a general idea that this thing is quite high in calories that it may not be the best thing for weight loss and I would have been in that boat. I had a little bit of knowledge, but like a little bit of knowledge is kind of dangerous too because you see a lot of these like, you know, air bracket healthy things, they're really high in calories. And I would have scoffed down protein balls, energy balls and gone, gotta be healthy, it's full of dates. Dates are sugary shit. There's so much calories in these little protein balls and like there's no real eating in them. But I signed up with Paul because I knew from talking to him that basically he'd be watching you know, big brother's watching kind of thing, he'd be looking at my food log, he'd be, I suppose, sending me training to do, and that I would therefore be accountable. You know, I was paying for a service, I wanted to get the most out of it, and I, I just needed somebody, I needed that push, and I actually had to ask him to take me on for the last month. Um, he told me that, I think it was after November, we were effectively done. He, he knew that I would be able to do the rest of it without his service as such as a coach um but i had to ask him to take me for december because i just wanted that last month of accountability for christmas and new year's um and we we came to an agreement on that but just having that little bit of oversight for a while got me new habits and it got me out of the old junk food on tuesday night habits watching crap soccer and all of a sudden i couldn't quite do that um i was being asked well why didn't you get your ten thousand steps today what well, was so so important that it didn't happen today and you're kind of going well nothing well then you don't really have an excuse you know it's, it's you you're doing it for you and in fairness to him without putting words in his mouth he always kind of said that you know if i wanted to do it i'd be doing it for me and if i didn't do it it wouldn't directly affect him he wasn't going to become fat just because i had a pizza do you know um so the accountability was huge for me in fact i think it was probably yeah the accountability probably was the biggest thing in the sense that i had an idea of what i had to do i had a relative grasp of training and sports but nobody was watching so i could eat all the biscuits 
And what was your advice to someone to look for in a coach, whether it be a PT or whether it be online or whatever, join classes or go to one of these boot camps? Oh man, looking for a PT. Um, kind of a hard one because I think everybody's different. Everybody wants something very different. Um, I would be one of those people that when I'm with the PT, I kind of want to be the, the brunt of it, their anger. I kind of want to be told and shouted at. I, I don't want. Or you want the Billy Boo camp? Yeah, I, I don't want. I don't want. Oh, you're doing great. Oh, that's great. Fair play to you. I, I, it won't get me anywhere. It just. I, I'm much better when I'm stoked. Um, but I suppose things to avoid for me, like if I ask somebody a question now and they gave me a really dogmatic answer, like if if somebody told me that um, that scones are bad because they're carbs and carbs make you fat. Well, I'd say, why? Can you add, can you like, well, look at me. Do I look like I eat scones? You know, and they're listening with the six-pack. I did that for a long time. I took advice from dudes with six-packs just because I thought they had an idea about nutrition. Whereas they don't. Well, they, some of them do, and they have a great idea, but, but they have their own issues too. Um, so I suppose try and avoid anybody who's overly dogmatic about things. That's interesting that you said to not like challenge the PT, but to ask enough questions. And I think from talking to people in consultations face to face and talking to people in consultations on the on the Skype calls and stuff like that with the clients doing the online is a lot of people potentially don't ask enough questions they're almost afraid to ask a question and it's a little bit worrying because there's no such thing as a stupid question because if you have that question someone else down the line is going to have the same question and that's what we found when we were doing the, the talk with Layla in Dunleary it was a lot of this, like the same questions that you get on a daily basis on Instagram. But if it helps one person, and that could be a post or something like that for one of us, it could be a podcast, and if that kind of goes out. Um, you mentioned kind of PTs with abs, and this was, I was watching someone's, uh, another PT's uh, videos there the other day, and he was, one of the questions he got asked was, do you think PTs should be in shape? And shape means a lot of different things to different people. But with the question he was asked was, do you think a PT needs to have abs or would you hire a PT only if they had abs? What would your kind of two cents be on that kind of thing? Don't think that, well, I suppose in shape is, like you said, it's... It's, it's, it's in context. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a broad one. At the same time, it's quite narrow. But I suppose for me, I wouldn't... I wouldn't 100% say that a PT has to have a six-pack. Like He doesn't have to be 8% body fat to be able to tell me to stop eating five takeaways a week. Do you know, um, he just has to have a good level of knowledge in the field, has to know a bit about training, has to actually have the people skills to pass it on. I mean, it's it's physical appearance is great and everything, but I, I don't want to be 8% body fat. You know, I don't want to look like six-pack Pete. So it's not, I wouldn't put myself in those shoes and say that's exactly what I want. I just want to be less fat. Yeah, and I think the for vast majority of people that what I've worked with would be they just want to feel a little bit more comfortable in their clothes. There are, like I think if someone is going to step up on stage, well then I think it's important for that that coach to have set up, step up on stage because the emotion and the accountability and the the kind of the mindset that they have to go through to get up on stage i admire it it's not for me personally but i think that person has to have understood that same thing with maybe a photo shoot but for the vast majority of people i think if the pt is 
or the coach is in some sort of shape and knows the basic nutrition stuff and is not just promoting say there's nothing wrong with these diets by the way but like keto and all that kind of stuff and that's the only diet they're promoting and they're putting girls on stupidly low calories which is happening too much um i think that's that's the the big thing um you've you've spoken about um the food and the misconceptions that you kind of talk about what would you say has been what was the biggest misconception you had and what's the biggest shift that you've had towards the food in the last kind of six months to a year uh, I suppose there's no bad food there's no inherently bad food there's good and bad decisions that kind of lead to the overall result that you may be looking for but at no point does one food of its own make you fat you know I mean I, last Friday I had a McFlurry I would have previously called McFlurries bad you know I would have put them in that category they weren't good so inherently they're bad which I suppose by definition is what it is but it fell way within my caloric budget for the day. So I was, you know, and I, I didn't attach any guilt to it. And that was another thing, removing guilt from food. But that kind of came with removing the good and bad food tags. Um, just learning that I can have my favorite foods, which helped massively with adherence and consistency in the diet. And lifestyle changes, I suppose everybody has a diet. But it was, um, it was being able to, you know, like last night I had a fudge bar. Good choice. You know, yeah, I thought it was a good choice. It was like rolling in the uh, reading in the years. I was like, oh, I haven't had one of these in ages. It's a good choice. But uh, you know, being able to have that and being quietly content with myself, my cup of tea and my fudge, and not going, oh, I fucked up my diet. I'm going to start again on Monday. You know, because that's what I did for a long time. I would have said no chocolate, no bread, no whatever sugars. You know, the the normal ones that people did. And if I broke that at all, I considered it a total waste. And then went and had pity party for one and ate everything around me so no good and bad foods to answer your question short <laughs> i like the analogy you've used there about the pity party and i think that paul uses, uses a brilliant analogy um of the fuck it button and it's it's because i i've robbed it and i use it in on certain things and say it to my clients and i've got my clients listening to paul's stuff but the fuck a button is one of those things that some people can do, but they almost have a pity party when they do. And it's very hard to kind of get out of that little hole that they may be in. Whether that be that they kind of are sitting at home, as you said, your thing was watching the football on in the evenings and potentially having crisps, pizza, all that kind of stuff. We've all been there. Um but have you kind of got any advice for someone that has worked with Paul and someone that has kind of looked at the fuck it button itself? Have you got any advice for someone to kind of step away from that mentality? From kind of overindulgence? and Yeah. Um, I suppose from personal experience, it's, it's kind of separating emotion from food. Um, I mean... When people tend to push the fuck it button, they tend to turn to foods because they make them happy. You know, uh, people attach certain foods to feeling good. Like I did with like Ben and Jerry's. I looked for happiness at the bottom of fish food for years and it never, never came to light. Um, as delicious as it was. But I suppose knowing that if you have one bad day, you know, in, in air quotes, 
put that in context. You know, you've you've been on this lifestyle change for two months, three months, whatever it is. Having one bad Thursday isn't going to erase everything you've done. So by not pushing the fuck button, just just start again. Just start again in the morning. Just reset. I think Trisha says reset as well. I was going to use Trisha. Yeah. yeah, just just reset in the morning and start afresh. Have your evening there where you've gone, okay, this wasn't great. But the fact that you realize that, okay, it was somewhat off plan shows growth in itself. You know, because like you said there, I would have sat down and I had pizza for two but by myself. And I would have had share packs of Doritos by myself and bottles of Coke. And never really, really realized the damage I was doing as such. Whereas I think that the fact that people kind of go, oh, the fucking button, they do have some sort of awareness that maybe it's not the best thing, but they're still going to do it. Um, but yeah, knowing that you can just start again in the morning, you know, start the next day afresh, is, it's, it's a nice mentality to have. It is, and it's one of those things that I try to bring into my own coaching with the girls and stuff like that that I work with is just like if you have had a night out, if you have had the pizza or the takeaway on the weekend you can either bring it into your weekly calories or if you have kind of potentially had a bit of excess of food press the reset button and go and again rather than dwell on it it's like it's like a lot of things um regarding the the night out's a big one yeah i think the night out is a night out is like yeah i'm trying to figure out now nine hundred percent of my clients i drink and when there is the social occasion coming up or there is a night out coming up i've found from working with whatever x amount of people it is at this stage but that they find that that one or two days can derail they feel it can derail how have you had that yourself recording including nights out or yeah i'm lucky in a way i'm not a huge drinker it's just not really I worked in nightclubs for years and years and years and it just kind of turned me off but Paul told me really early on there was no harm in a night out but be aware of what you're doing so I was kind of going okay so like how many pints or drinks you really going to drink in a night so I mean 10 pints of like I'm a smithy drinker that's I think it's 150 calories a pint it's not that high but 10 of those Compared to Guinness, compared to Heineken, compared yeah, to anything else. They're yeah. not that high. Or cider. You know, cider. Cider. Bulmers yeah. is, Bulmers is, is, there are other ciders out there. It's going to be doing a hashtag ad. That there are so, plenty of ciders out there, but they are so calorie dense. You know, but you can, you can have, there's only so many of them you're going to have really before you freaking explode. But it's the Supermax or the kebab after. It's the next day where you're going, oh, I'm not getting out of bed all day. Or I'm not getting off the couch. And you have, M&M's and you have Chinese delivered and you don't move you get like 500 steps for the day and that's just up and down the stairs or in and out of the jacks and that's it um, but being aware of what you're doing after like that, that that kebab the day after that stuff that kind of went just blew my mind when he said it to me the first time I was like shit and I know it's not that bad and like I've gone out a couple of times since and I just drink zeros because I drive I, I don't mind driving and they're like 70 calories each so win yeah the, the zeros are are, are a game changer and I heard something over Christmas from someone that they're like why was I drinking this when there's so much sweetener in them and I was like well first of all sweeteners aren't bad for you but if that like that person at the time was drinking so why are they comparing their alcohol to my little 70 calorie little bit of sweetener in it 
and worrying about me i'm not saying drinking is good or bad if it's in your if you if you're planning it in and you're doing it in moderation like everything well then it's it's perfect but if you are going out on the piss every single weekend and expecting to see massive changes in your body composition for one and then potentially the scales and stuff like that it's going to it you're going to be a little bit disappointed i feel um and i think a lot of like irish culture is nights out nights out nights out and you've worked in as a mm. as a bouncer with paul and stuff like that so you would have seen a first hand of how like how messy people can get and we, we've all been there um but like i'm glad you brought up the kind of the nights out and the days after i think are almost even more important because sometimes people can get like anxiety from alcohol and they feel a little bit down and it can accidents as depressant and people can kind of feel like i'm just going to sit here and do absolutely nothing like you've spoken about 500 steps but the next day is you can increase your water make sure you're kind of getting your sleep back in check go out for a walk if you're going to the shop go for a walk rather than driving to it because you probably you could be over the limit as well uh um and then like if do you really like if you want the takeaway press press the, the reset button afterwards but you could have the leftovers from the night before if you are having your food and stuff like that um the one of the things you've mentioned on your post like your social media is is awesome you're great for putting out other people like jordan peterson and stuff like that up on your on your stories um but you have a certain way of phrasing things which is very unique the, the worried face on steve i was like what the fuck is coming next <laughs> uh you have a certain way of phrasing things which is really really unique how do you find yourself putting out your story so much has kind of impacted you and also impacted other people uh just yeah i thought that was gonna go somewhere so so different i was like what is he gonna say i was like he's got something in particular now i'm like oh no it's from like eight months ago um i'm not that bad no scrolling through my feed looking for something um i suppose at first i didn't want to at first i didn't want instagram at all at all and paul kind of coaxed me into it a small bit um that was the whole Steve thing. Most people would know me by Steve and like, and we went real incognito and dropped an in. So now nobody knows who Steve is. Um, but for me, it was an accountability thing at first. And it's still day to day. Like I was saying earlier, you can get motivation from so many places. And I mean, for me, it keeps me accountable. People, like I said, Big Brother's watching. Like when I started with Paul, Paul was watching me. Um, now I have people that watch my stories and watch this that and the other and like i've had people message me going you've been out for walks in a while like i've been out for walks i just haven't put them on instagram but yes, i have been walking but thank you for checking up on me and it's kind of funny but at the same time it's really nice that people actually give a shit um but other people i suppose like i said from day one i don't give metrics don't mean a single thing to me if i had one follower and i had posted a million posts it wouldn't matter to me shit as long as that one person took something from it um i don't care if a post gets 10 likes or if it gets 300 likes it, it doesn't really bother me and i think that was something very important that i'm not completely sure exactly where it came from at the start of this because i can see where the pitfall with this would be you know of, of falling into like a fallacy of having an emotional attachment to how well or how poorly your your instagram would do or your facebook or whatever you're into or tiktok like the kids do um but 
as long as somebody is getting something from anything I write or share or, or any quotes, anything like that, and I share things because they've probably made a difference to me. Well, undoubtedly they made a difference to me, but the quotes have probably meant something to me. And like I said, about two weeks ago, I had that just appeared where I didn't really give a shit. And I put up a couple of quotes, and the amount of people I went to, well, that's, I needed to see that. And even at the worst of times, being able to get a message like that helped me then. Because I go through periods where I don't really care about Instagram. Um, where I just want to go and do my thing. And not, you know, I couldn't really be bothered. We were talking earlier. The phone could be put away very easily. If you want to, they can stay away. I mean, you can log out. Um, you can become a slave to it as well, on the flip side. And there's days there where I just, I don't, I don't care. I don't post. Not because I don't care about the people or their goals or their journeys. It's just because I have all the stuff to do. But you know, it's it's kind of funny in that sense. And then all the days I can't leave the fucking phone down. So, yeah, and like it is. It's like, it's like when you're when you're on a a diet or a fitness journey. It's like all about balance. And like, it's I've started putting up a, a timer. I'm using one on an app to put up my timer. So, if I try to spend say half an hour or an hour on social media a day, and a notification will come up on my on my screen saying right you're getting kicked off now mate sorry and then I, will, I, will, I won't be able to go on to it again that's probably the reason I'm on it is majority of my business is off social media but I think a lot of people are using social media for escapism as well um, and it's, it's social media is amazing like I wouldn't have been able to have the likes of yourself Brian Paul uh, or any of the guests really of uh on and stuff like that so it's not all bad uh with social media it is a highlight reel though but i think that's something that people have to always remember that like nobody and again it was david goggins that was talking about this the first time i heard it really hammered home that nobody's going to put up a picture okay not nobody people do some people do but for the vast majority it's always the new watch the new car the new shoes the holiday pictures the I look great in this picture. Very seldom, apart from people on weight loss journeys and fairness for progress pictures, put up stuff where they're unhappy. Um, and it's always, always important to not try and compare your chapter one to other people's chapter 20. Because these Instagram stories that pop up where there's a dude and he is jacked, like he's ripped to shit. And you're sitting there going, Phew, is that a Chinese? All of a sudden, it gets very easy to feel bad about yourself. Um, it's, it's just... Remember that Instagram and any other social media is a highlight reel. Anything that's up there, people want you to see it. 100%. And it's about, I've spoken about this and Larry Doyle spoke about it a lot about kind of if someone's making you unhappy on social media or if someone has posted something about something that you potentially has irked you or you disagree with, well, why are you following them? I'm not saying you have to agree with every single thing someone says. And like the fitness industry is unregulated. And there's a lot of bullshit out there. And there's one name in my head, which I don't want to say, but I'm going to say it. Your man V Shred. He is a complete and utter asshat. And his ads pop up on my timeline all the time. And I know I'm not the only one that V Shred's come up. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. I'm not aware of the word asshat. Like ever. I've never heard that word, but I've, I've heard this V Shred. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's a lot of it. Like there's a lot of, oh celebrity personal trainer kind of people that are more so famous than they are knowledgeable in their field and that's the kind of dangerous people you don't really want in your circle of information because you can pick up a lot of bad information or a lot of bad habits or practices from that kind of 
knowledge. And how would you decipher from the pe- the good people to go to and the less great people to go to for information? It's hard. It is hard to pick them out in fairness, but usually when you see bullshit, like most people's bullshit radar is fairly decent. I, I'd like to think, especially maybe in this country, we're quite good at realising when someone's talking shite. Um, it is hard though without getting deeper like if you could start dropping names no problem about these fellas know what they're talking about like I love personally I love science based approaches to things I love people like Ben Carpenter who break the most complex things down Ben's a genius for the stupidest of people and like if you knew nothing about this within one post and five or six pictures of diagrams he can explain things to you and it makes sense whereas people that try and sell you a juice and you know our discount codes discount codes kind of piss me off because i'm like uh are the people doing this are they trying to get me to take this for my wellness are they trying to get this because they're getting commission for their discount code yeah i can see i can see where you're coming from that because there was the likes of the incident with the, the influencers over in the uk with the certain product the imaginary product and they were willing to plug that product when they didn't really know what was in it and they weren't going to test it. Mm. And that product or fake product had cyanide in it. And it was, it was upsetting to see, but it was a little ironic that the person that brought them down was a person that's famous here for wearing a plastic bag on his head. Um, so like, was there, are there certain, like apart from Ben, like Ben is, Ben's amazing. Ben is a very, very articulate person. He's an incredible Nick. He very very clever dude, and to have like to have that skill of bringing the most complex information and reading the articles and then being able to explain it to as if it's someone to like a five year old, and that's why James Smith is very mm. is killing at the minute. That's why Brian's killing it, Paul's killing it. Is there anyone else that you kind of go to for that information? I suppose in in my nearest circle that would really be it. Like I mean, for people that I listen to on a really regular basis, maybe you, Paul. Brian Keane, James Smith, Ben Carpenter. I'm inevitably going to fucking leave somebody out here. But like in terms of training, it'll be mostly those people. Then there's people like um, like Scott Bakhti, Graham Tomlinson, the fitness chef for food. Um, and I mean, people like that are great because, again, they break it down. It's real simple. They give you the recipe. They give you the calories. And food prep for me was huge because it stopped the temptation of eating shit on night shifts. Or, you know, I, I had it made. And in my head, I was like the work in to do this i might as well eat it and it just kept me away from the shippers which sounds so simple and so silly but it, it worked largely um but yeah inevitably I'm, you know when you put on the spot and you're like give me a name it's like before we started this it was like if you asked me to say something in irish there's so many things i could say in one sentence that i would have just com- completely gone blank even though i'm fluent but now it's like you know who would you choose in the world it's like oh god there's so many people i do like the australian strength coach because he's great at lifts so yeah, he's especially very, for like the well. like the like uh, one of the PTs I worked with uh, introduced me to him, and particularly for like the the bench press, which is the big one for the dudes. Uh, I can't believe I just said dude on a podcast. Because uh, you're so cool. That's it. Uh, but it was like a small little trick with uh, just the wrists and a small little trick with your feet, and you could see a massive difference. Um, I think the other people that I would kind of mention would be the likes of martin mcdonald's uh, oh, yeah. martin nutrition uh he's he's phenomenal 
Um, if you are a female listening, uh, I would probably go for like, the, like some Amelia Thompson over in the UK. She's very good at kind of talking about kind of binge eating um, and kind of getting into the very big mindset of things. Um, and I've been very lucky to have Amelia on. Uh, Jane Real Nutrition, who is awesome. She's very, very good at kind of deciphering the the kind of the, the big information like the likes of the way Ben is, but making it very, very simple. Um, there are so many others that I, ju- and So He Fit, which mm-hmm. is Ben's um, other half. Um, she's very, very good at kind of giving tricks in the gym. She talks about the nutrition side, but she also talks about like how to do a glute bridge, Brett Contreras. We can't forget the glute man, um, which, which, is, which is great as well. Um, you talked about kind of meal prep and calories. The calories thing is one of those misconceptions and a lot of people kind of get can get bogged down in it. And I think that's potentially through either miseducation about the process or this kind of they feel that it's going to give them an eating disorder. And I think there was a post put out by James the other day saying like, you're looking at Netflix, you're looking at Love Island, you're looking at social media and you're on those more than you're probably working. But when it comes to kind of counting a few calories in order to look after your own health, that's causing the anxiety. Mm. It was a beautiful way of putting it in like whatever, six, seven lines. You've counted calories, we both counted calories. Have you had any difficulty with counting calories and what would be your recommendation? Would it be advisable to do it at the beginning of a journey or? I still do it. I'm, I, I'm, I have a weird personality where I'm quite obsessive about things. Um, like naturally, I just tend to fall into that. If, I, if I'm doing something, I'm, I'm all about it. Um, which is why I think the first couple of months of this went, you know, it, like if I can say it, was, like it went quite well the first couple of months because um, I did take that kind of approach to it um, I love counting calories I absolutely love it and I think like I was only saying to you earlier I love stats and figures and shit like that but I love knowing I love the feeling of hold on you planned out your day you went and you executed it Do you know um, I understand to an extent that if you're not planning it but you intend to stay under 1800 or 2000 calories and then you go over that it can cause that anxiety but I mean controlling that is completely within your own hands um, you can not, not the anxiety side of it the, the eating the eating side of it um, I mean you, you choose what goes in your gob at the end of the day I mean I can make a conscious decision to have a fruit pot I can have two fruit pots and it's 120 or 150 calories I can go for a hot chicken roll with a load of cheese and coleslaw and it can clock up an absolute shitload of calories same meal I will I'll be pretty full after two fruit pots um, but there'll be a lot more calories in in the chicken um, so I suppose once you take control of what you're eating I think my fitness pal gets a little bit easier and over time like I only had this conversation like an hour ago two hours ago with somebody I think my fitness pal is great for opening your eyes I looked like an idiot at first walking around Tesco. I scanned, I was bleeping shit. I said they were looking at me, kind of going, will this guy fuck off so we can close the shop? And I was kind of going, bleep, Jesus, high in calories. And like I said earlier, the, the healthy things that get portrayed as healthy are good, 
they are surprisingly high in calories or the amount of packs that have like they show oh this only has 100 calories per half and then you're like oh cheeky but I think my fitness pal is an incredible tool in terms of its database its database is huge and it's a great way of just learning okay I can have my favorite stuff this is my budget this is and again it's a James Smith thing that's my caloric budget treat it the same as you would a financial budget check it if you have to you know, if, like I said, I had a fudge bar last night. I had a quick look. I had like 800 calories left for the day. The fudge bar was 117. Win. Um, so I, th I think it is a great, great tool just to learn. Just learn about calories. Have been, like, And after a while, you'll be able to ballpark things. You'll be able to look at stuff and go, yeah, okay, that's that's high, that's low. This is how much I have here. Yeah, it's like when you're learning like teaspoon or tablespoon measurements and things. After a while, you'll figure it out. Yeah, and I think I think if you are kind of my recommendation, I try and I this is why I, I ha, you have to make sure that you are working with a, a coach that kind of understands kind of like us the the calorie side of things, nutrition side of things, but also the kind of psychology side of things. Is if someone has kind of had an eating disorder, they have to kind of go and see a dietitian and like see the people the powers that be. But if you are kind of starting out on your journey and what gets tracked gets measured um and that's a quote by peter drucker and if you the one thing i would say about my fitness pal is don't let it track your exercise because you can link it up to your fitbit your fitbit is not accurate when it comes to tracking how many ca calories you've burnt none of the machines in the gyms are accurate and it's it can be a little bit kind of daunting about that. You, like if you think about a, a, a normal weight session in the gym, you'll be like, oh, I've definitely burned like 250 calories. I can guarantee that you've probably burnt less, but it shouldn't be put down to how many calories you've burnt in the gym. It should be like, you're only in the gym, say three or four hours a week, uh, if even, or three or four hours kind of going out for your walks. It's the other 164, 165 hours outside that kind of comes down to it whether you're getting your sleep in, whether you're getting your, your kind of your stress under control, whether you're getting your meal prep in, um, and whether you're kind of, like my fitness pal is, is, is great. And I think people can kind of get bogged down in a little bit too much. And you've kind of like talked about kind of daily calorie targets and weekly calorie targets, which I'm delighted you brought in the weekly calorie target. So say if you are on 2000 calories a day, this is just a rough example, uh, seven days in a week, 14,000 calories. If you overspend your calories, which you've spoken about the money, by say you've had 3,000 calories on the Monday, that leaves you with 11,000 calories for the rest of the week. If you remain in that in that kind of ballpark figure, you will be still in your deficit. And that means you can still include the foods that you enjoy. And that's one question that I get asked a lot and you get asked a lot about is how do I include the foods that I enjoy? Because I think people put up the good and bad food stigmas, unfortunately, still there. People put food up on pedestals. Was there, was there a kind of a one moment for you where you're like, I can actually have this fudge bar. This I could actually have this Ben and Jerry's. Or um, I don't know. Was there one moment? I think there's been a kind of like a succession of moments where I've kind of gone shopping. I suppose the first time I went shopping, like grocery shopping, and I had filled the trolley, kind of not quite subconsciously I was obviously aware of what I was picking but I got to the till and you know when it's all laid out you kind of went I made a lot of informed decisions 
in this shop that I didn't really have to think about. You know, I bought Slimsters. I had bought lower calorie cheese. I had bought 60% less sugar ketchup. But I had still bought Curly Whirlies. I had still bought the Multipacks and Maltesers. Um, it was being able to just find a real nice balance. And again, tying into the MyFitnessPal thing. I think having something physical I could look at where I was going breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. And I was able to see the numbers at the top with the deductions. It actually gave me something tangible that I could literally reach out and touch and go, okay, a curly whirly, scan it. Yeah, I can have that. I think the literally the first couple of times I used my fitness pal, that was the, oh, holy shit, I can still have, I can still have sweets. I can still have a slice, two slices of pizza. I mean, Paul has a thing about what's the third, fourth, and fifth slice, giving you that the first two didn't, apart from like a stomachache. You know, and I, I do think, again, I keep going back to my fitness pal, but it, it was really important for me because um, I had a bit of a diluted, 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 diluted um, idea of what calories were. I didn't, I didn't fully get it, but that really put it in perspective. So we have decided to do the episode in two parts. It wasn't planned. It wasn't the idea behind the whole thing. Uh, but I'm delighted that we managed to like there was so much content covered in the first one. And there's going to be so much content covered in the second one. So I'm delighted to have had Steve on. And I'm very privileged to have him on for two episodes. So the next episode will be out next week. Um, So if you've enjoyed this episode, guys, please do tag myself and Steve in your stories up on Instagram. Please do leave a review up on iTunes. But thank you so much, guys, for listening. And I'm looking forward to having the next episode out with Steve next week.